Hello, everyone, and welcome to GivePod, Greater Vancouver's business podcast, exploring the challenges and opportunities facing our region. I'm Bridget Anderson, President and CEO of the Greater Vancouver Board of Trade. October is Small Business Month, and our episodes of the podcast this month are brought to you by our pillar partner, RBC. A passion for food fueled a Vancouver small business that has become a staple for foodies. Gourmet Warehouse is an icon in culinary circles, as is its founder, Karen McSherry. Karen, thanks for joining me today. My pleasure. Thank you for the invite. Now, full disclosure for those listeners, Karen and I are dear friends, and we've known each other for many years. Karen, I know your story, and I think it is a fabulous story of an entrepreneur. So I'd like you to share your story with our listeners. So maybe let's begin at the beginning. How did you start this journey? Oh, boy. It started a very long time ago. I used to be, in back in the day, a flight attendant for CPR and those that know the iconic airline will go, oh, I wish it was still here. And I knew that I couldn't push cookies behind a cart for the rest of my days. And I always had this incredible passion for food. So while going to all the beautiful places that I flew to, I would expect experiment and go to the markets and then finally decided that, hey, I can get to all these schools that I want to go to because I had this passion to open a cooking school. And so I would use my passes and my vacation time and I would fly to Italy and Portugal and France and Thailand and Japan. And I would go to the cooking schools while all my great fly buddies were going to Phuket and having fun or going, you know, to beach resorts. And I was you going were to working. cooking schools, working, but loving it, came <laughs> home and still flying. And on the part-time o- opened a cooking school called Karen's cooking school. That was in, oh dear, I hate to say the number. We'll just say a lot of years ago. And I did these cooking classes out of my kitchen for a very, very long time. And uh, fast forward, got married. Um, and then I, I sort of thought, you know, maybe I could start, people would complain about the prices of gourmet food. And the person that I married was a food importer. And so I knew the true cost. And I said, I need to start selling some of these things to my, my students. And so I did. And then a little turned into a lot. And finally, I opened a small little store in the back lane of Victoria and Pandora Street. And it was tiny. And I would sell things after my cooking classes. And it just became more popular and more popular. And people loved the food aspect. And I was really unsure about the hardware. And I'll never forget my very first hardware purchase was, I think maybe I could buy six sets of uh, measuring cups and six of (laughs) measuring spoons. And that's all I can do because I'm very nervous here. Anyways, that is a joke now because from this company, I actually, I buy so much, not six, but thousands of items. So it really just sort of organically evolved in how I did it. I was very careful. I run by this phrase that fear is your best motivator because if you're scared, you'll work. And when you work, everything sort of comes together. You can't just have it lackadaisical you have to be Mm -hmm. very determined and when you're poor and you're scared it works 
I remember going to that store uh, in the back alley there, uh, and it was tiny. You're right. And fast forward to where you are now on Hastings and Clark, and that's a big footprint. So how long have you been in that space? We moved here in, I, I, it was just too small and it, I needed sort of a storefront. And back in the day, this was actually awful. I remember going to City Hall. It was about 2003 and the fellow there, I was asking for my permit and he said, lady, you look pretty decent to me. It's the last area you want to be in. That building has been arrested for a grow up. It is a disaster. They do everything in there that is not right. And I went, I'm going to change the neighborhood. And he said, you've got a big lofty idea and it's never going to work. Here's your permit. And I feel sorry for you. But, you know, you have been part of that overhaul, change, transformation of that area known as Strathcona um, and East Hastings Business District. I mean, I think there you kind of fall into a few different areas. It really has changed. It has. When I was here, it was terrible. Uh, I did little by little. It's a big building and I couldn't afford to do much. So I only could take a little portion of it at a time, renovate it. And then when I had the money, I would move and get a little bit bigger. I am the complete opposite of most wannabe entrepreneurs that jump in with a giant loan and then they're, they've got the loan to worry about. They've got their, their clientele to build up. They've got everything that they, they want to do, that they're, the overwhelming um, hurdles they have to jump is too much. And I always would never buy more than I could afford. And that was how I grew slow but sure. And I never had that worry that I couldn't afford it ever. So it was really important that I did it that way. And it paid off in my long run. So fear was a big motivator for you oh, yeah. in the beginning. What were some of the biggest challenges that you faced? In this neighborhood, fending off um, all the people that wanted to come in and steal from me, which is still a very, it's worse now than it was, you know, 20 years ago. Um, the biggest challenges were, trying to keep everything trendy and fresh and be the first to offer it and to have it. And that was my saving grace because I really knew food trends and I knew what was coming and what was going. And I was the first to know when, when to get rid of things and when to move on and always be the first to offer it. My cooking classes were always sold out. And that was a, a really positive part for me because I had these great, these 30 people that were captive on everything I did and what I cooked, they wanted to cook what I used, they wanted to use. Mm -hmm. And so this is fabulous. And, and if I did it and it, they tasted it and it was delicious, then that was how it was going to go. And so for me being one of the forefront leaders in cooking classes since like the eighties, that was my win. And I parlayed that into this. Now, 20 years ago, that area of uh, of East Van, um, as you say, you know, I, I think was quite different than it is now. And there was a period of, of revitalization and a real community, but lots of business owners, whether they're in East Vancouver or in Gastown, are talking about the kinds of issues that are plaguing them now around public safety and crime and vandalism. How have you been navigating that? Uh, with With a lot of trouble we hire security but you have to know that and, and and security is expensive so you have to say am i being stolen more than the security guard is going to save me 
or what where's the balance it is more difficult now than it was 20 years ago um just yesterday broad daylight a big boulder came through our front window and the guy just strolled by in his hoodie nothing didn't care just wham this giant sized boulder went right through our front window so it's now all Jeez. boarded up so it it it, it it troubles me because 20 years ago when I moved in, it wasn't delightful, but at least it was manageable. It wasn't rampant crime like it is now. And I, I don't have the answer, except that our judicial system has to get tougher because they're going to lose small businesses because mm -hmm. no one can really afford to have these things continually happen and happen and happen. And it's sad because I love my city. I was born and raised here. This is home for me. And businesses like you are are having to deal with the cost, paying the cost of this uh, of the stealing and the vandalism, and that's a lot for a small business. It's horrific. It is yeah. horrific. I'm fortunate that I'm I'm bordering on small to medium, so I have a little bit more play, and I've been around long enough, and I've been careful enough in my what I do. But still, it it doesn't bode well when you go out at night when it's dark, especially now, and your back lane, your back parking lot is full of people setting up shop. Yeah. Very, very do? difficult. You know, fast forward, oh, I guess it's rewind, uh, rewind to, uh, to March of 2020. And it was the, the pandemic. And, you know, that in some ways was uh, a reawakening for a lot of people on the hobbies and the things that they love, like cooking. It was also a difficult time for retailers in a lot of stores because things closed down. What did it mean for you? Well, I guess embarrassingly, it People was really good to, for us. But did you, did <laughs> you have to, to <laughs> for you, did you have to accelerate your digital business, your e-commerce to be able yes. to, to navigate the restrictions? I am not as techie as I wish I were, but I'm smart enough to know, and this is what all business owners should know, know, it's great to know what you're good at, but it's more important to know what you're not good at and what you're not mm -hmm. good at. You better find somebody who is because they can steer you down that path of success. You, you can spout off all you know. That doesn't change anything. So I was clever enough to hire the most fantastic webmaster, he saw it coming down the line. He was the one that said, okay, we're ramping up. I never have worked so hard in my life as I did those two years because we were considered an essential service because we sold food. And, and I watched how the trends, first of all, everybody in their brother, sister, cousin, aunt, uncle was baking Sourdough bread. bread. <laughs> yeah. And then when the bread, you couldn't get yeast if your life depended on it. And then it went from bread to... I'm going to make pasta now. Then we couldn't get a pasta machine to save our life. Then from pasta, it went to curing meats. And people were just finding all these things to, to protect their, their mental integrity and keep them at home with interest. Mm -hmm. So for me, I like to say it was embarrassingly good for us. I worked really hard. I worked 12 hours a day because I was fulfilling um, online orders. I mean, I would even deliver myself to make people wow. happy. So, so you give people what they want and they're loyal back. So now uh, coming out of the pandemic, if indeed that's where we are, fingers crossed, I certainly hope we are. What is business like now? Because 
lots of people are out at restaurants again and things have sort of returned to normal. Um, what's been the impact on your business? It has definitely dipped and that is to be expected. People want to bring their fry pan back and they never want to use it again. They hate <laughs> everything we bought, we don't want. I want to throw this bread machine anywhere, but I don't want it. So I understand it. They are cooked out. They have no interest. They want to sit on a deck. They want to have a glass of wine with a friend. They want to go anywhere but their kitchen. And I get it. And it was a tough I guess six months and Thanksgiving is always our turning point because Thanksgiving is historically the one meal where the families come together after the summer, you know, mom's cooking, the kids come home from school, blah, blah, blah. Everybody's sitting at the table. And for us, that's why I hope that you all lent out your roasting pans to somebody that you can't remember who you lent it to and you need a new one. And that's <laughs> my win-win. That but you're also... <laughs> You're also evolving your business. And I know this because we're friends. So you are moving a little beyond the, the culinary yes. now. So talk about your strategy there. Where do you so, see the market going? When I see people that are cooked out, and I get it, I, I am a bit of an oddball because I love to cook every day. Uh, but most people don't. And I understand that. And I know that everybody that walks in my store is not a cook. And they're kind of pacing and they're with somebody that loves, isn't this great? Oh, my God, isn't this fantastic? And they're kind of going, it's okay. I mean, I'd rather be somewhere else. So I decided to take a portion of the store and turn it into a kind of decor, home decor and style. So that's what we've got. So things that will spruce up your living room, your bedroom, your bathroom, and um, really cool things like cashmere throws and um, beautiful napkins and things that you don't have to be a cook for to enjoy. And as so we've all been looking at our housing, our furniture, our household decor for the last three years, and maybe looking to switch it up. Yes. So we've just gone crazy on gorgeous candles because you don't have to be a cook or a non-cook to love a good candle. And it's a great hostess gift. So we've got lots of that kind of thing. We've got decor for the table. We've got candlesticks. We've got everything that is non-cooking, but it will never, ever be the focus of our store because that is my sort of, uh, that's our baby. That's what we do. We have 122 different vinegars, 113 oils. We have for bakers, I think we have 215 different flavors, colors, and emulsions. So there's no one that can do that, can offer that. You couldn't just start this up because it takes years of curating vendors and bringing things in and, and understanding it. I just wish the red tape of um, government wasn't so in everybody's business and we could just do our business, but it is what it is and I'm not about to change it. What kind of red tape? is the most bothersome for you, Karen? I, I think for us, it's, it's the always submitting. Um, it, there's a new thing now out by CFIA that it's called fresh or good food or safe food for Canadians. And so every single thing that walks in our door has to have 15 certifications in order for us to sell it. And the, it's a 12 page wow. document for one thing. For one thing, let's say we bring in a hot sauce. The documentation is massive. And just I also, I remember the red tape you went through in just doing some renovations in your store. So having to deal mm -hmm. with the city of Vancouver uh, and 
you know, the city is trying to make some changes on that. And there's also a change in city hall. So hopefully the message will be delivered that it needs to be easier for businesses to operate. I, I could never stress that enough. I'm a bit on the bigger side, so I can hire somebody to help me with the red tape. But if you're not, you can't run your business. You can't buy. You can't merchandise. You can't sell. You can't train. You can't be in front of the customer, making them feel good that they came to you and do all of that. And that's why you're seeing all these small independents just saying, I, I can't do it anymore. And I, I, I hope I'm wrong, but I don't want to see the day where our only choices to shop will be Walmart, Costco, um, the and, big brands. Yeah. And, and, and I see it because if we don't keep shopping local, it's, there's no way that these little mom and pop stores can survive. The independents can survive and they work so hard. They work long hours and it's, it's brutal. I mean, the laws just keep pounding it onto the employer and it makes it so difficult. They just close their doors. Yeah, very, very challenging. There's there's no question. And, you know, perfect time to have this conversation in Small Business Month. So you've been doing this, you know, a long time um, and you've been part of the community a long time. What is the future of Gourmet Warehouse for you? How like where do you see the future of the company? What's what's next? Oh boy, I'm asked that a lot. So what's next? My 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 focus is to continually keep my 70 people, 70 plus people employed. My my future is to try to make their employment here as as fruitful as possible, to try to pay the best wages I can pay and to try to acknowledge and keep their morale up so that they don't leave for 50 cents an hour and then come back. They do leave and then they come back. I'm really big on morale boosting for my my employees because I could never do it without them. They are the most important part of the brand because without them, I'm nothing. I'm one person. Mm-hmm. I can't run this. Back in the day, I was a one-man band. It was easy, but I didn't have... 22,000 different SKUs to purchase and merchandise and and deal with. Um, So they are my future. People ask me if I'll branch out, but until the labor situation changes, how could I ever dream of opening another store when we are trying to keep this together with people? Our, Our future is to stay strong to try to keep prices as as competitive possible because I, I just hate to see people not eat well and I want them to eat well for less. That's my deal. So I always try to buy and bring in direct. I was just at a food show in Paris to try to bring things in that are that's no middleman so that you can get the best French product at the best price without having to feed three people in the middle of that. You also strongly believe in giving back and supporting community. Has that always been a part of your business plan? Always, because if you don't, you've got to feel empty inside. Because if you've been dealt three aces, you got to give an ace away. You've just got to. So we used to have this great charity called the Chocolate Challenge, which was an amazing event with to all the best chocolate chefs in the city. And we would create this whole thing and we would give them to various different Strathcona backpack program. And we would give them to growing to um, chefs, um, growing chefs and firefighters. So now we've created because that all went by the by. So then we contacted the fire department, got some imaging, and we decided that feeding kids is a staple 
olive oil is a staple of ours. So what we did was we got an image of the firefighters with children and we created an olive oil just for them. I know it well. It's in my kitchen so, right now. <laughs> so what we do instead of that that BS, pardon my French, of part proceeds, which annoys me more than anything, because you don't know what part proceeds is it? Part proceeds of the cork or part proceeds of what? So we say we will give for every bottle sold $4 of every bottle that we sell to the firefighters um, snacks for kids program. So I think we're at about eight or $9,000 in giving them. And it's sort of our continual one because people continue to buy it. And as the prices of olive oil and, and bottles and labels and go up, it doesn't matter. $4 will still go to that mm-hmm. charity. And that keeps me relevant to what we do as well as other things that come up. I mean, I get requests, I get about five requests a month for gift baskets and would I, could I please, that kind of thing. And and we pretty much fulfill them all if they're to do with children, because I feel that if you help children, you help break that cycle, that, 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 that circus wheel with the mouse in it. If you don't help kids, they can't get out of the wheel. Mm-hmm. So if they, if they go to school with food in their tummy and, 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 it's a help. And if I can help with food relief, I will. I could talk to you forever. Um, and, and this has been such a great conversation, but I don't want to leave without giving you an opportunity to provide some advice, some support, some motivation to those entrepreneurs out there who are thinking of starting their own business or in the midst of growing their business. What do you think has been the most important lessons that you could pass on to them? Be patient, be passionate about what you do, because if you're not passionate about you, what you do, you will lose interest and you will lose your business. So you have to love it come hell or high water, because usually hell comes and then the high water sinks you. So you have to be passionate and you have to put in the time. If you can get yourself a mentor, don't be afraid or ashamed to ask ever. I mentor two people a month. Uh, two people a year and I carry them through and I help them with everything from packaging and everything that they need to know. I've helped people get book deals, everything. So get yourself a mentor in, in the field that you're in and don't lose sight and do not ever bite off more than you can chew. Do not go to the bank, get a massive line of credit and then can't pay it back. And then they own your business and all for naught. go slow that story of the tortoise and the hare be the tortoise and be patient and you will win. Karen, thank you so much for taking some time with us today. Really appreciate it. My pleasure. Always. I hope this helps somebody somewhere. Thanks so much. And thanks again to our pillar partner, RBC for sponsoring the podcast during small business month. Check back again next Thursday and we'll have a new episode on our podcast.